You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Welcome to the pinnacle of wrestling entertainment, Premier Streaming Network. Join us at watchonpremier.com to unlock the ultimate wrestling experience, curated to perfection. Immerse yourself in the spectacular world of wrestling history, where classic battles and unforgettable moments are at your fingertips. Join us today and experience the epitome of curated wrestling content, because when it comes to wrestling entertainment, Premier sets the standard. Be Premier. This is the MLW Radio Network. This is the Mind of the Meanie. Here are your hosts, the Blue Meanie and Adam Barnard. Peace world and welcome everybody to the Mind of the Meanie, your weekly peek into the world according to former WWE superstar and ECW original, the Blue Meanie. We'll cover wrestling, music, movies, sports, and lots and lots of useless knowledge all contained in the Mind of the Meanie. I'm your tour guide, Adam Barnard, and he is the Blue Meanie. Meanie, what's on your mind, brother? I'll go for a walk outside now. The sun shines calling my name. Hey, uh, yeah, it's too early. (laughs) Never too early for a good song, pal. Never too early. Yeah, it's too early. It should be illegal. (laughs) Two Saturdays in a row. um, Look, I'm sure there's people get up at like 5 a.m. every week. I had to get up at 9 today, so... Uh, let me be a bitch. So <laughs> essentially, I've been my, my schedule's like flip topsy turvy, flips upside down. So I'm, I become like a, I've reverted to being a night owl again. So uh, I punish myself by knowing I have to get up early to do something important and uh, stay up late. And a boy. So here I am, looking like a jerk off. So. Hey, man, this was my fault. We were supposed to record yesterday, and now we're recording at 9.30, and that was my bad, dude. That was my B. No. Welcome to the no, pod squad. You uh, you and the son had a really cool uh, road trip. Yes. Yes, we did. It was very, like, last minute. We weren't even sure we were going to go until, like, Wednesday. Those are the best ones. Yeah. Yeah, I was able to. So I'd already been working from home that day anyway, so it was like, okay, well, let me try to plan this out. And I talked to James about it and, you know, he kind of like, he wasn't real keen on like the four hour drive, but he was like, all right, well, let's go do this. So for context, I'm not sure if anybody knows this story. Uh, I think we've talked about it a little bit on this podcast, but it's definitely on foundation radio, which you can find at foundationradio.net. Um, in 2019, actually almost three years ago, uh, this month, um, Goldberg, Bill Goldberg, uh, tweeted at my son. Uh, my son was, uh, getting bullied from a couple of kids in kindergarten and um, Goldberg tweeted at my son something really nice, a nice message. And um, we tweeted for a little bit, and then he followed me. And then he was on the show. He did a whole conversation, and it was this whole, like, anti-bullying thing. And he got to talk to James, and it was this really cool little moment. He awesome. sent James he sent James's care package from WWE. So he had all these goodies and his book bag and, like, toys and shit. And it was just super cool, right? Awesome. And um, he was like, hey, listen, guys, if you – if and he messaged me. He's like, hey, if you guys – the next time the crew is in town, let me know. And I'll get you guys some tickets to the show. I was like, oh, you know, you don't have to do that. Thank you. And so SmackDown was there. And it was uh, the Fiend was the champion. It was the night that they de- debuted the new blue belt, uh, the u- new universal blue belt. 
Nice. And uh, so, you know, James's favorite wrestler is Bray Wyatt. So he was fucking geek. We sat front row facing like behind the hard camera. So we were literally watching it like it was a movie. You know, it was fucking it was crazy. Right. So Goldberg and I have stayed in touch for, you know, I don't know, probably three close to three years now and just filling him in every time to time. And so we finally get to go and we go to meet him. We walk up and we're at the Steel City Con in Monroeville, which is a fantastic convention. If you've never been there, Steel City Con does a fucking phenomenal job. Uh, they do. I think they run a show once a quarter, so you definitely want to check them out. Um, nice, great place, SteelCityCon.com. Definitely go ahead and check them out. And so we go there, and James sees Goldberg at the other side of the room, and he's just eyes are just bugging, right? So we walk over. His big crowd had already been there. There was like people waiting out of the door, so it was just us. And we walk up, and so he goes, "Hey, kid!" He comes around. He's just, just fucking hulking giant man, right? Which I always and I I have to preface this by saying I always feel like I don't know why, but every time I meet someone who's in a in professional wrestling, they're always much taller than I imagine them being. <laughs> you know, like everybody, like even you, like I was like, wow, I didn't expect everybody in professional wrestling to be this tall, but I don't know why I thought everybody was my height. You know, but anyway, um, so we walk up, we say hi to Goldberg, and then we he I say, you know, Mr. Goldberg, this is James Bernard from Twitter. And his face just like, like it, it, like everything clicked in his head in one second. And this big smile came across his face. Buddy, it's you. You're here. You made it. I'm so happy to see you. Gave him a big hug and, you know, came over, shook my hand and he smacked my arm, you know, like, hey, kid, how you doing? And it felt like a fucking cinder block. Yeah. He picked, <laughs> picked me up and threw me, you know, that when he, his hands are so big that when he hit me, it felt like a cinder block because it was like, holy shit, this man is so strong. Um, yes. But they stood and talked for like five minutes and he gave him an autograph and, you know, we took a selfie and, then we did the professional photo, and it was just this, like, really wonderful dad moment. You know, like, it's a very unique feeling. Um, and I, I, I said it on my post. Like, I posted the whole thing on my Instagram, and, like, I had practiced, like, what I would say to him. You know, because this was, you know, like, it was a big deal. Like, it's not like I'm yeah. going to meet somebody and just being like, hey, man, you know, you're my favorite. Like, you literally, like, not only did you reach out to my kid, but you stayed in contact with us for three years, and you, you we check in with each other, like, you gave him so much hope and, and happiness and, and, you know, not to be afraid in school with these kids. And like, how do you thank, how do you properly thank somebody? And the only thing I could squeak out was thank you for everything, you know? Cause I was just like, I didn't know what to say. So That's he just, perfect. he just smiled and nodded at me, shook my head and shook his, shook my hand. And it was like this secret, like dad language, you know, where it's just like, Hey, we're looking out for one another. We're looking out yeah. for our kids. It's fucking wonderful, man. Dude, that's awesome because, you know, uh, you know, you see the videos of you know, when he came back and him doing it for his son. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's, 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 that's, that's a cool thing. It was uh, cool. it was a really cool experience, man. It was um, it was one of those moments that would just be like etched into my head forever, you know, and I just I'll, I will never. There's been some discourse online about about Mr. Goldberg, which I will not engage with. Um and I'll never, this is, this is a, there will never be anything bad ever said about, about Goldberg ever, um, in my presence. He's just the most wonderful person. Um, just an incredible guy, like just, yeah. and everybody, it was like that he was like that with everybody. I was talking to the people that he does his, his work with this group called Fighterman. And the woman was standing there. She was like, yep. Every time a kid comes by, you know, he just, he gives it, you know, he just comes out and he's talking to them. And, you know, so I told him the story and they were like, holy shit, this is amazing. And. It was just it was just a really wonderful time. So I, I was happy I got to do that and got to share that with James and you know, and now we have this really cool full circle moment with Bill. So it was fun, man. It was a good time. Yeah, that's awesome because yeah, I mean, he was a, an important part of the Monday Night Wars, no matter 
Yeah, I mean, we we have tribalism today, but tribalism back then, you know, whether which whatever side you're on, WCW or WWE, he was an important figure, you know, in that whole uh, that whole war. And uh, the fact that you know he still goes out and does it, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, people, you know, like I said, there's tribalism, you know, but hey, uh, that's awesome that you go. You know, I love road trips. I especially love unplanned road trips where it's just like, hey, you know, let's uh, hop in the car and go. Yeah. Yeah. That's really what it was, man. That's basically how I met Mrs. Meany. You know, we were were online friends and chatting on stuff. And then one day I was just like, I'm coming up right now to hang out. And that was it. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I. I said, "Hey, I'm I'm heading up." And I stayed on the phone the entire like from my left my house, like all the way up to Connecticut to like maybe ten minutes from her house. She was like, "Oh, I should probably uh, put some shoes on," uh, <laughs> you know. I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." We, it, it, you know, it's, it's it's awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you guys. You're like, "Hey, uh, you mind if we do the show Saturday instead?" I was like, "No, that's why you told me." I was like, "Oh, that's awesome." Yeah. So. Appreciate appreciate that's your so flexibilities, cool. so, uh, good sir. Oh, that's the only thing I'm flexible. Uh, <laughs> don't ask me to do any fucking splits or just, yeah, dude, not a chance. I'm not getting down any farther than like a goblet squat. That's about it, pal. Um, yeah. No, it was it was just wonderful, man. It was uh, it was. I, I can't wait to you know do it again. You know, it was just it was one of those great moments. But the trip to Pittsburgh isn't bad. You know, just having lived there before, like it's you know it's four hours on the turnpike, but it's you know. Um, it's not terrible. You said, you said Monroeville, and that just triggered memories because I, you know, when I first you know, started wrestling, I did a lot of shows in Monroeville. Really? And uh, yeah, <clears throat> I worked for. Uh, I feel like I have to, you know, say this every couple weeks, but when I first started, um, <laughs> I need I one of those dream. Norm- I need one of those dream sequence sounds. Yeah, yeah I worked for uh, Norm Connors in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I say Pittsburgh, but the whole area. Right. Uh, you know, when people refer to WWE as New York, it's the whole Northeast, but right. the Pittsburgh area. Yeah, he ran Monroeville a lot. And uh, I think Monroeville is where they filmed Night of the Living Dead, too. The, the, the original George Romero film, where they, the mall's still there, where they filmed in the mall and stuff like that. Go into the so, Google. Yeah. Go into the Google right now to confirm, sir. Yeah, Monroeville Mall. You are correct. Yes. Yeah. So Monroeville is pretty cool. Uh, yeah, they filmed Night of the Living Dead, Monroeville, and the Blob was filmed out near here in Phoenixville. I want to say, you know, since we're talking about program memories and this random random stuff, you know. But uh, yeah, I, I I see you got a little bit of sniffles like I do too. With yeah, Howard. dude. Sorry, man. Fucking brutal, dude. No, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. But uh, no, that's awesome, man. Just uh, you got to uh, go there. Me and you hung out last week. We were at uh, the Icons convention. I was just going to say I was going to transition transition into the next thing because you were mentioning Mrs. Meany, and she was the sandwich, which was a, <laughs> a mix of the Sandman and a witch. And the po- yeah. she put the picture up of her and the Sandman, and he popped, man. He was so <laughs> fucking man. He was so funny. But I was, she had me going, man. I was like, that's fucking great. That's amazing. The thing to be, uh, you know, 
it's so random that, you know, of all the people to bond with and uh, have a friend, a kinship with, uh, this is Manny and a Sandman. Um, Yo, Manny, how's Blue Girl? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, like Mrs. Manny's into like crystals and all that stuff. And she wears like a little thing around her neck and, you know, for good energy. And like one day they just totally got into talking about crystals and stuff like that. He's like, what? what? Yeah. And, you know, she's teaching about crystals. And this is like over a year ago, but like I get a random text from Sam and yo, mean ass blue girl. What's this? And it's like a photo of a, I don't, I don't know the, if it, yeah, she gets named something off in the, Fairview, you know, New in this millisecond. Oh, that's laboratory or whatever, you know? And so, um, uh, it's a couple of years ago, right around Christmas time. And, uh, she was like, I, I, she loves icons because it's her t- chance to be a social butterfly. Just walk around, hang around, talk with people. And she's like, I'm going to be a uh, Christmas Sandman. <laughs> yeah. She shaves her head, but she, she grew it in a little bit, you know, to get like Sandman like she, she, she bleached her hair blonde. Uh, <clears throat> she got the jeans, she got the shirt. She made a shirt. You know how Sandman has that tattoo of himself on his arm with Bob wire. She went and get she went and got a temporary tattoo paper and made a stencil of her own face. <laughs> like Sandman. Like Sandman's got the look with the cigarette. Uh-huh. You know, yep. Yep. The same pose her face, but instead of Bob where it's Christmas lights up and down her arm. <laughs> and then we got a cane, a Singapore cane. She painted red and white and it was a candy cane. Yes. Get it? And uh we're at the convention and we're hanging out. He walks in, he sees her, he explodes. He's like, yo, ah! he's laughing. He's like, yo, I'm so tired. I don't, I woke up as early. I you know, came into this thing and I saw her and I just got like this jolt of energy. Ah! <laughs> so uh, during COVID, like she was doing like all these different makeup looks and outfit looks and stuff like that. And uh, then she came up with the idea for the sandwich, which half same man half witch which involves like a witch hat that has bob wire wrapped around it she has a singapore cane that has a a broom end to it to where she could hop on it and fly away and uh you know she she got the zoo bob pants that she uh i think she drew uh bob wire on or whatever so she's like when it came into this i this icons she's like i'm i think i'm gonna redo the sandwich because I only did it online and he didn't get a chance to say it. So right. that was her, uh, and she, you know, grew the hair out, bleached the blonde again. And, you know, she, <laughs> she's, like, she's like, uh, reach out, make sure he's coming. So I, I, so I was, <laughs> you going to be there? He's like, yeah, for a little bit. And then, uh, we got there and then you, you can tell me what I missed because you, you and Mrs. Meany walked over to the same man. Well, I, I saw at my table. I didn't get a chance to see it. Yeah, she walked over, and Todd Gordon was sitting next to him. And I think he was—he they were talking to a couple of people, and then he popped like, "Oh my god!" You know, the same, just laughing, the big, loud, you know, yeah. raspy voice. So she was went over, and, and I just took some pictures. I didn't hear like the full conversation between the two of them. I could just see him, just see him laughing and enjoying himself about the outfit. But yeah, now, and then, you know, they he, they took a photo and posted yeah. it online stuff like that, but. Yeah, that's her. She's great. You know, she's creative. And um, yeah, the whole icons thing is 
it's a great experience. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, hold on one second. Take your time, man. I had a sneeze, but oh, yeah. I, yeah, I, I was trying to get away from the mic because I'm, <laughs> I sneeze like my fucking grandfather and, uh, I'll blow your fucking eardrums out. I want to give us a but, fart. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> give us a couple farts there. Um, distract, distract yeah. <laughs> no, man, icons was a fucking blast. I always have such a good time when I go there. Um, Ken Shamrock, we got to interact with Ken Shamrock a little bit, which, yeah. you know, that was super cool. Uh, Ken was always one of my favorite. Actually, he was like my top three during the Attitude Era during that time when I was growing up. So getting to like just experience that moment with him was super cool. Um, Paul Bromwell was there, our friend from Ad Free Shows. Oh, my God. It was so cool to run and finally run into uh, Paul Bromwell. He's, yeah. he's a great guy, man. He does, he does great things with Conrad. Uh, Conrad, you know, trusts him with, uh, you know, you know, doing the things that, you know, uh, Conrad, you know, Conrad's got an empire over there. So yeah. he's got so many shows and responsibilities that, you know, he trusts Paul to, uh, you know, work with him and uh, give some uh, quality products. So it was great to talk about meeting somebody and going, God damn, they're tall. Yes. Right. I didn't expect that either. He is fucking tall. I was like, whoa. Yeah. Where did this go? Yeah. <laughs> Looking at him when like he did that clip for me for um the last the end of the year foundation radio show when we, we ranked like all these and I asked him basically the gig was the joke was I'm gonna ask all these people that I work with, like Alfred Kanawa and Paul and Josh. I was like, Hey, can you guys like pretend like I asked you to be on the show, but just like totally blow me off and like this, like, Oh yeah, you know, I was gonna be there, but I'm having my ears sewn shut, so I can't, you know, I can't show up. And, uh, yeah. you know, I just, I guess I, again, I just always think that everyone is my height and I just, I was like, holy, watching him get up was just like, holy shit, look at the size of this guy. But yeah. wonderful guy, um, got a chance to interact with Kurt Angle too, which was super cool. Um, cause he was sitting there with Kurt. Yeah. I wish I could have got over to see Kurt, uh, love Kurt. Um, I just watched the biography and, uh, there's a little, there's a clip in there where you see me in there from, uh, the Dory Funk dojos. I was like just about that. to ask that. Yeah, let's talk about that. Uh, yeah, back when I went to WWE, coming from ECW, uh, they asked me if I wanted to do the Dory Funk Jojo. I was like, absolutely. Because once you go from an ECW ring to a WWE ring, that's like an extra two feet. <laughs> right. ECW, ECW rings were like 18 by 18. WWE's 20 by 20. Wow. In an 18 by 18, you know, you can... You know, you can go like a good four step. You can hit like from rope to rope in about three to four steps, depending on how much momentum you got. That WWE ring, you're like Jesus Christ! Like, there's an extra like two or three steps. So, they had me go do the uh, the Funk Dojo just to get used to that big ass ring. Right. Uh, I was the uh, you know year it was me, uh, Kevin Quinn. Um, uh, where Hawk was supposed to be part of our class, but his back was spent most of the time in the uh, hotel room because his back was fucking torn up. Yikes! Yeah, he was supposed to come back to just get back in ring shape, and his back was totally fucked. Uh, and Kurt, man, there was a, f- a few other people too. Um, this dude named Shane, blonde haired kid. He was in the he was in the clip too. He he said he wrestled down in Puerto Rico. Um. But yeah, it was cool. It, was just, it went up there for like a week. Stayed in Connecticut for a week. They put us up in a hotel. And uh, oh, 
the, um, there was a guy up there who had a short stint in Global Wrestling Federation. He wrestled as uh, something, the Voodoo Man, Rasta the Voodoo Man, for uh, Global Wrestling Federation. And they were giving him a look, too. So he was up there, which is cool. We were all hanging out. but uh, And every day we would do drills. We do promo class. And, uh, you know, then we pair off with somebody, cut promos on each other, and then have a match. And uh, I was popping for the Kurt one because <clears throat> they showed a segment with uh, Bruce. Like, Bruce is interviewing him. And uh, Bruce would do this thing at the, the funk dojos. Not letting you know he was going to do it, but he would just do it. And uh, he would interview you. And during the course of the interview, he would just ask you off the wall questions, just like, you know, just to, to see how you react. Like, right. You know, you're, you're doing an interview and he goes, yeah, it's all fake. Right. You know, and then just ask you, just ask you random. And the drill was, and they show this, like, <clears throat> you know, you see him ask Kurt something, Kurt starts laughing. He goes, ah, you're just laughing at me now. Right. Well, he said he would do that because it's a good drill to, to teach younger guys because God knows you're going to go to one of these markets where they send out the local reporter. Yeah. Who wants the hard breaking news story of, you know, you know who, who wants to win a Peabody award, you know, but okay, I got to go cover this pro wrestling thing and they're going to come out and they're, they're going to try to sideline you, you know, blindside you with the, uh, with a random like uh gotcha type question. So, right. right. It was a drill, something like that, just to see how we would react. And uh, it's cool they, they they put that in there. But then, you know, see, um, oh, and Steve Bradley was part of it. That's the point I was going to get to. There's a, a part where they show uh, Kurt, you know, wrestling Steve Bradley. I think he does a head scissors. Steve Bradley feeds up to the corner. You see me ringside because, like, it's like towards the end of the week. And, you know, you try to just – you know, it's awkward enough. You're wrestling in a warehouse surrounded by other wrestlers. Right. With no, no sound, no air. So I would get, you know, me and one of the other guys would get up and just react like fans, like, you know, try and make some noise, you know, so get their minds into it. And you see me like uh, after the head scissors, you know, I'm ringside popping. And you, you know, it's me because I'm wearing a Van Halen tank top. Uh, <laughs> Van Halen uh, balance era tank top and uh it was i, I was like watch it. i was like oh shit that's me well there's another one clip one earlier clip where it's like is that me sitting there in in the background i was like i don't know but then like they showed the other clip i was like that's totally me yeah because you know and hail sure i saw me pop and then it just brought back so many memories of uh, doing that but yeah i wish i could have went over and gotten gotten to talk to kurt you know um uh, Talk about a guy who just picked up the business so quickly and, you know, uh, you know, had a hell of a run. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And uh, he's been through some stuff, but I'm so glad that he's still here, you know, and, you know, it's awesome, you know. It was cool, man. I mean, it was cool to get to, like, interface with him, even for just a couple of minutes. You know, it was, uh, it was a very... Very quick, very hey, how you doing, kid? Nice to see you. This, that, and the other, and then off we off we went. Um, but it was uh, it was definitely one of those moments where you're like, holy shit, like I'm in the presence of what it feels like wrestling royalty right now, you know. Um, yeah. So that was very cool. It was a fun event, though, man. I mean, we had a great time. 
um, at Icons. I know that the next one coming up is going to be a whole extreme uh, event. It's going to be all yeah. about ECW, and I am uh, I am very excited for that one. So yeah, it's going to be uh, December seventeenth. Yep, and I'm going to do uh, an extreme themed one, which is going to be awesome. It'll be like I treat them. Yeah, I said this to Shamrock too. I was like, these things are like high school reunions. I love them. <laughs> he popped. He's like, yeah, and um, yeah, I'm going to do one in uh, December. It'll, it'll be awesome. Uh, they uh they run a, a a great event there, and I'm fortunate enough that like the conventions like from 10 a.m. to four, and then uh, they had their show that the, the night of the uh, convention for uh, their promotion Battleground Championship Wrestling, and uh, they let me they you know let, they're cool enough to let me uh, keep my merch table up and just hang out and talk to fans. Yeah, that's why doing is you know, interacting with fans with uh you know you know when you're in show mode and you're wrestling you know you kind of kind of think about what you got to do in your match but you're also talking to fans and stuff like this i get this you know concentrate you know mainly on fans you know so it's pretty cool it is cool man it's cool to watch you interact with people that come up to your table like i i, I don't think i'll ever get tired of of watching people come up and talk to you just cause it's always the same, you know, Holy shit, the blue meanies here. Like it's just, it's fucking cool, man. It's just fucking cool. But yeah, it's, it's cool to do, you know, um, I had some good neighbors too. Uh, yeah. Rich you know, Swan and, uh, Rich Stu Grayson, Swan, uh, Stu Grayson and, uh, Lee Moriarty and Swerve Strickland. That's right. And the, the lovely and talented Athena was there. That's right. And, and Harry Smith, who could, like, literally tie anybody up into a pretzel. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm grateful that he likes me. I saw him, and, I, I again, it was another one of those reactions where it was like, you know, big bug eyes. I was like, holy shit, look at the size of that guy. Fucking look at how big, big he is. Was, I, I'm at first, what's that? I was going to say, was, was his dad that big, like, that tall, too? I think he might be taller than his dad. I was going to say, I wasn't sure. I couldn't remember, but I was, I just looked. I was like, oh my God, look at the size yeah. of this man. I first met Harry in uh, England, maybe 2005, 2006, maybe. And, uh, you know, from where, I mean, he's been wrestling his whole life, you know, yeah, growing yeah. up and up. But, you know, from then till now, just like, how 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 great he's become you know and uh he's just a great guy you know we just uh mrs meany says it's always fun to watch you interact with harry smith because he wants to know so much about ecw and stuff like that that you know we talk about ecw a lot you know and uh other things you know we got in common but uh yeah the the we we after the uh, convention, after the battleground show, we took a bunch of the guys over to McCusker's. Nice. Harry came out. Uh, Willie Mack came to McCusker's. Uh, Rich Swan came out. Uh, Brian Kendrick came out. Uh, uh, oh, my boy Matt McCormick, who mm. I've become friend, become friends with lately. Uh, he wrestled back in the day. He wrestled in Memphis and. Me and him, he used to, uh, he was um, Tracy Smothers' uh, driving buddy. 
they, they would go to shows, to sh- you know, all over the place and wrestle, you know? So me, we, we met and bonded over Tracy's mothers and you know, we, we basically talk every day now, but uh, he, he came into town with uh beast man who was also on the show. Beast man's a good dude. And uh, yeah, we all went to McCusker's after the show and uh, just sat around and bullshit. It was, it was a great day. It was a great day all yeah. around. Yeah, I had a really nice time. It was nice, like I said, it was nice to come up. I found parking really quick, which is unusual for me in Philadelphia in that area. Um, I was right at 2 Street there, right at the corner of 2 Street and that side road right as you go past 2300. Uh, and I parallel parked that motherfucker. And then I got out and I was like, oh my God, I'm, on, I'm, I'm within striking distance of the arena. This is incredible. I, uh, yeah. I never get that lucky. So nice time. Like I said, great time. Can't, can't wait to go back. Can't wait to experience again. So thank you for letting me hang out with you at uh, Icons okay. as well. It was a fucking blast. Um, yeah, dude, did you get a chance to watch? I've been hyped about this all night. I watched it last night. And, uh, when, you know, getting back, it got caught up. And the hit parade, man, in Hunter's Dynasty continues hit row returned last night to smackdown and uh that carrying cross promo was fucking incredible i don't know if you yeah, got a chance I'm, to watch that i'm still in catch-up mode so uh spoiler I'll, alert I'll, oh i thought you were gonna spoiler. hit a fart button no nah, like, well yeah yeah spoiler alert my bad spoiler and then like there's like a, a moment of silence. I thought you were going to hit a button or something. But, uh, <laughs> it's the shits. I can't remember what regular air smells like. So, <laughs> Karrion Cross, man, that promo last night was just, it felt, it was the first time, I guess, since Hunter has taken over where I felt like the promo wasn't like just overly scripted to death. It felt very natural. It felt very right. from the hip. And it was exciting. Good was exciting to watch exciting to watch uh, it'll be cool to uh I, well, I wasn't watching much of anything last night because it was the eagles preseason game so. right and you sent me that so, you sent me that gif last night the new meme uh um, oh uh, coach nick sirianni um eagles were playing the jets and uh go birds yeah go birds Andrew Bailey in the uh, chat room there and go birds too as well go birds uh Shackleford! Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's preseason, right? It's diet football, but, um, it's always good to watch. Uh, it's good at least to watch the first quarter because that's where you get the, the first stringers against first stringers. And, you know, Philly's obsessed with the fucking quarterback. So everybody wants to see how Jalen Hurts looked. You know, there, you know, it's sports talk radio. I love it to death, but it can infuriate you to death because yeah. it's like, I don't know. Is he good? Blah, 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 blah. You know, and then t- sports talk radio, they're always got, that has to be the heel announcer and the baby face announcer. They always got to have, a, you know, like any sports talk, you got to have opposing viewpoints because it would be boring if everybody just agreed. Right. Right. So uh, we were watching uh, the Jets game and Jalen Hurts is going to play because everybody's like, ah, they might, they might not let him play any preseason games because in the NFL, uh, teams do inner inner league. Uh, they do joint practices where, like, uh, the Eagles and Browns will do a, a camp together, or the Eagles and the Jets will do a camp together, and they'll have scrimmages, which are are aren't televised, but that's when they do plays they no, would normally do during the the regular season, where in you know preseason game. All the plays are very vanilla because they don't want to put anything on tape. The other teams 
can watch and pick right. apart right. for the regular. So they said Jalen was going to play. Jalen Hurts is going to play. So it was awesome. You know, we're jacked to watch it. And, uh, you know, first try, I mean, they looked fucking great. He went six for six, 80 yards. But there was a play where it broke down. Uh, they, they flushed him out of the pocket to the right. And he's scrambling. And he uh, wisely steps out of bounds, you know. Instead of taking a hit, he goes to step out of bounds. He's like three steps out of bounds. And guy from the Jets just fucking nails him. Oof. Like one, two, three, pop. And it's like right in the shoulder, head and shoulder area. So fucking, it almost causes a fucking scene. Jordan Mailata gets up in the guy's fucking face. And if you've seen Jordan Mailata, uh, I would not want him in my face. He is a big, intimidating man. But uh, that led to like, they're showing the Eagle sideline and there's coach Nick Sirianni. Look at the size he, of this fucking guy, dude. Holy shit. Jordan Mailata. Yeah, dude. He's uh, from New Zealand. They, uh, they, um, he was a rugby player. Wow. Uh, there's a, there's a really cool documentary. I want to say on YouTube about how he, they found him in the rugby league and brought him over and <clears throat> Eagles, uh, offensive line. Coach slash guru Jeff Stoutland has molded him from rugby into NFL. It's an amazing wow. story. He's a Samoan, and, uh, New Zealand, and he's Samoan. And uh, they they talked to his family, and you know he's like the pride of his island now. You know because he he made it off the island to come to America and play American football. And I'll have you know as well. Not only do they describe him in the media as a human wrecking ball, his favorite band is Bon Jovi. Dude, Jabba he was all, yeah. Jabba Jabba. Jabba. Uh, I know you. Jabba. Jabba Jabba. Love it on a prayer. Take a photo. <laughs> oh, I'm halfway there. Jabba Jabba. Jabba Jabba. Fuck a security guard. Get out of my way. You got the best hair. The best hair. I'm going to throw up. Hold on. Just the best hair. I love your felt jacket. <laughs> so are you speaking English right now? <laughs> just making a series of grunts and elephant noises. <laughs> speaking fat right now. I'm talking in the language of fat. <laughs> Dude, honestly, I'd have done the same thing. Like, I'd be like, come on, come on. Yeah, I mean, he was about to get on the fucking elevator. <laughs> 30 yards breaking my balls about not having a key. Oh, my God. It's so good, man. It's so good. You know what you're doing. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, you know. Double joy. But, yeah. Uh, Jordan, my lottie. Jordan, my is an amazing singer. He was on uh, Mass Singer this really? year. Me and Mrs. Meany, uh, that's one of our guilty pleasures, uh, Miss Singer. And uh, he, he made it. He made, I think he could have went to the finals, but I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure the uh, the voting systems worked. Yeah. But, uh, no, he was amazing. And uh, he's an amazing singer, amazing player. And he wanted to murder the other guy from the Jets last night. <laughs> and, uh, 
but which that led to, you know, they're cutting over to the sideline, uh, Eagles coach, Nick Sirianni. And you just read, you read, you're reading his lips. He's like, that's fucking bullshit. Which I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to Twitter. I'm going to find that. I'm going to download that to my phone. That's going to be the new gift in my phone. But then another one popped up where he's like, uh, you just see him go, what the fuck? <laughs> you know? So I got like, I was like, the first drive of the Eagles preseason, I got two amazing gifts or yeah, gifts out of it. So, uh, yeah, it was cool watching that. And the, um, the Phillies played the Mets last night. Yeah. Uh, which they've been doing this fucking thing of putting the game on Apple TV, which I don't have. And that's fucking annoying. Why are they and, putting the games on Apple TV? Like, uh, like a fr- they'll put a Friday night game on Apple TV. In the last two weeks, it's the Phillies have been on Apple TV. What? Like, which I don't fucking have. Why would they do something so stupid? I don't know. But uh. they, you know, they all of it. The picture is so crisp. I wouldn't know. I don't have fucking Apple TV. Yeah. And I'm not going to get it just for one day a week. At know? this point, dude, it would be between Discovery Plus and NBC or Peacock and fucking HBO Max and now Apple Plus. I might as well just have fucking cable at this point again. Right. Like, what the fuck is right. the point, dude? They've been putting games on Peacock as well, which I have, which is cool, but God damn. Uh, yeah, so that, you know, uh, I'll get to that. I'll get to SmackDown. Right. Uh, actually today, probably sometime. And then, uh, yeah, I was, I, I, I was in Philly Sportland last night. I was trying to wear two hats, but Apple TV cock blocked me. You know, I was <laughs> trying to watch the Phillies and the Eagles. Couldn't do it. Uh, couldn't do it. But uh, Eagles look pretty good. I want to. Jordan, Jordan Davis is going to make offensive linemen's nights. I have a game's fucking nightmares. Yeah. That guy. Holy shit. I want to ask you about something that happened recently, too, with the Phillies, with Pete Rose yes. being on the field. Uh, yeah. yeah. Let's uh, yeah. let's dive right into that, I guess. Um, I don't. I used or, to be. Dance around it. Dance around. It, yeah. I mean, we, we try to keep it light and fluffy here. Uh, which is what my wife calls me, but I, uh, I tried to, I mean, I, let me see the, the, the most polite way to say this. There was a long time where I thought that Pete Rose belonged in the hall of fame. Oh yeah. The best, one of the, one of the best players of all time. Hey King. Um, yeah. I mean, Charlie hustle, like just unbelievable. And the fact that, we allowed steroid abusers to be in the Hall of Fame and not Rose. Right. Was a bit of a shit show for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, up until recently, I feel like um, my opinion may have slightly changed on that based upon revelation. Yeah. Um, which, again, we're not going to go into. You can use the jump in your Google machine and, and you can kind of, you know, sift through the lines here. Um, mm-hmm. and, but, like, leave it to Pete Rose to have three controversies in one day. Like, I was just like, dude, what do you, like, why are you this fucking, like, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? Dude, just, it's embarrassing. Yeah. It's, it's really embarrassing. Just, uh, this when you, you, you've fucking rooted for somebody for so long. You're like, oh, okay, so he bet on baseball. All right. You know, he broke the rules. Lifetime ban, you know. Seems a little extreme. Yeah. And then you go, hey, yeah, the, you know, there's guys that, Breaking right, breaking vital records using steroids, which is also cheating. But you know, but then like 
you know, he didn't want to fucking, the, the thing that initially kept him out of the Hall of Fame was he didn't want cop and, you know, admit that he gambled. You know, he, he was like, oh, I didn't gamble. I didn't gamble. I didn't gamble. Like, here's your bookie. I still didn't gamble, you know. But, so, like, eventually, he eventually admitted to it. And then, you know, there there's this, there, there's this glimmer of hope that, like, somehow they would, you know, bring him back into the fold. And then another controversy broke out. And you're like, fuck. You know, just, uh, goddamn. Uh, it was a preceding one, which I don't know. I don't even want to get into. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, we'll we'll skip that whole part. Yeah, but then you know, baseball allows them to that. What they were doing is commemorating the 1980 World Series team, right? Last weekend in Philly, and baseball was going to allow him just to make an appearance. Yeah, because he had been banned from everything. Okay, you can make an appearance. And he just fucking fucked it all up again. And it's just like, why? Dude, it's like he had a last last chance to show he wasn't like a complete dirtbag, dirtball. And uh, he just showed showed who he was and just, it was an embarrassing situation. And uh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, he showed his fucking ass, dude. Like, that's that's really what it comes down to. He just showed his ass, and it was like, like, why are, like, it just, it's, again, it's one of those things where it's, it's everything in context. Like, sort of, we've talked about it. We've sort of danced around it a little bit on the show here, but it's like, you know, having a litmus test. And my, my friend Lane Jaffe and I, we talk about this pretty frequently with, with the Hall of Fame baseball stuff, because, you know, there's a lot of guys, Barry Bonds and um, Roger Clemens. They, these guys are basically exiled from the Hall of Fame pretty much forever. Like, they won't be able to get back in. The thing about Bonds is he was so good he didn't need the steroids. That's my point. Like, that's the thing. Why are you, like, you are one of the best players already in the fucking game. What were you doing? He probably could have done all that and not use steroids, but. Right. What were you fucking thinking, dude? Like, McGuire, looking back on it and Sosa, it's like, well, yeah, we probably all should have seen this coming, right? Between the two of them. And then it's like, okay, well, then that mean, that means that Ken Griffey Jr. had the real best fucking season in 1998 yeah. because he wasn't cheating. He's right. like one of the handful of people that, like, you'll never hear a cross word about. Ken Griffey Jr. is my favorite player of all time. But yeah. I was just like, it's, it's, you have to, like, you have to sort of look at things in a vacuum in context. It's like, okay, well, well, we allow Barry Bonds to be, not be in the Hall of Fame, and we allow some of these other folks who cheated to be in the Hall of Fame, and then... What about guys like Ty Cobb and Babe Ruth who also have like real CD backgrounds? You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of like no one is perfect and no one's flawless. But here everybody is fucking rooting for Pete Rose to get back in and then he just shows his ass again. And it's like, God, why why can't you just stop? Why? For our, our listeners listening in other countries. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, there is an amazing docuseries by Ken Burns called Baseball. Yes. Which yes. um, I recommend watching the whole thing, but the, the, uh, I forget what which chapter it is, but it, it covers the steroid fucking the Bonds and the Ken Griffin. I mean uh, the uh, McGuire's and the so Sosa, and, and it covers all that. And uh, you know the discovery of it was just like a random. There was just like a random like a media scrum around. I want to say McGuire's locker. 
and uh, you know, the lockers are wide open and somebody saw something on his shelf and so he wrote down the name of it. He's like, what is that? And he looked it up and he's like, yeah, that, that's a steroid. So <clears throat> yeah, just, um, it's a shame. Yeah. They, they were talented, you know, uh, McGuire and, uh, so is it, uh, no, there was another guy. Um, he had a, they were the bash brothers. They were in, uh, mm. Oakland. Mm. They were in the Oakland A's the guy. He just did celebrity boxing too. He was, um, uh, Jose Canseco looks like Tom Brandy. Yeah. Jose Canseco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always break Tom Brandy's balls. I, anybody ever call you Jose Caseco? <laughs> but um, shout out Tom Brandy. I love that guy. Um, yeah, Jose Caseco and McGuire were both on the A's. They were the Bash Brothers, and they were just fucking destroying the, the fucking ball. And he was like a skinny as a beanpole fucking uh, Mark. And then, you know, he goes up like two shoe sizes. And yeah. Two- <laughs> Like the Hulk, you know, or no, that was Bonds. Bonds went up like a couple shoe sizes and hat sizes, but he, he didn't need it and he did it anyway. So that, that, that's the shame of it. He, he, he could have broke all those records naturally, you know. Again, I just, I, it's, I remember watching Mark McGuire. He came to Philly. We watched him at the vet. I have photos like these, like super far away photos of them. You know, I think actually I might have one of him like practicing on the field. We got down close and I remember he hit a home run in Philadelphia and it was cool to watch. But then like looking back at it, it's like, well, fuck man, you cheated the entire time. Like it just totally ruins, you know, it's like I was already pissed off enough as a kid when the 94 season didn't happen because I had been, you know, Phillies had won, had gone to the series in 93. Their prospects were looking really good for 94. Yeah. And then the fucking season ends and it's like, well, what the fuck? So now I'm like totally disillusioned because it's like, well, that everybody's just fighting about money. And then this happens, and it's like, wow, this is really exciting again. And then you find out that everybody's cheating. And it's just like, well, fuck. Like, you know. Well, the, the thing about it is, <clears throat> uh, 90, you know, Phillies went to the World Series 93. They were looking good in 94. The Montreal Expos were looking like fucking killers. Yeah. Like Pedro Martinez and all that. They look like they were going to be the next. And, it, you know, they would look like they look like they were going to fucking go to the World Series that year. The Montreal Expos. Season gets shut down. No season. And then uh, they come back and then there's this. It's just like this negative thing towards baseball where, you know, people are, you know, throwing like fake money at the players and all this stuff. You know, calling them greedy and all this so this home run derby with McGuire and Sosa starts happening. And there's an inkling that maybe they knew they were on steroids, but they also wanted to revitalize the brand of baseball. Right. So like this, this, it was like a home run derby. Like <clears throat> people are keeping score. Like it, it, for those not familiar with baseball, the, the, the home run record for baseball at the time was 61 in the season, which was also contested because, uh, Roger Maris broke the record, broke, I want to say Babe Ruth. Uh, I forget whose record he broke. I'm going back, uh, to, going back to look at it now. I used to know this shit like, I got to get yeah. better at my baseball stuff. I used to fucking, what? I used to know this shit like crazy. I want to say Babe Ruth, but the record was 60. And then they expanded the season to a couple games and Roger Maris broke it at 61, but it yeah. took him longer amount of games to break it. So there was always that little asterisk. Next to the 61. There's a really good movie by HBO that Billy Crystal did called 61. Yes. 
check that out. That's a really good movie that describes you know everything that went on with the the politics behind the scenes of breaking that record. You're right. It was so, so originally. I don't mean to butt in, but just for context for the listeners, it was sure. initially was 60. It was set by Babe Ruth in 1927, and it was set during the time where the baseball league played 154 games a season. And yeah. when Ma- Roger Maris was going to break the record, they played 162 games. So that's why they're they question yeah. the legitimacy. And there was a window where he could have done it in the same amount of games as Babe Ruth. Something happened. Something threw him off. But he eventually broke it. But they put that little asterisk because they wanted to keep the quote-unquote integrity, whatever. So, uh, you know, Bonds Associates start having this fucking, this, it's like, you know, uh, I forgot what the game, like, you know, you know, McGuire, go ahead. Sosa, go ahead. McGuire, go ahead. And like in America, it got so big. It was so big that they would break through on network programming the show, the at bats. Yes. If you're watching a T your favorite TV show on any network, the news would break through with the do, 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 do. And here's Mark, 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 you know, if he hit it, you know, good. If not okay. Back to your regularly scheduled program and his next, next at bat, they would break through again. You know, it was yeah. that big of a deal and they brought baseball back to some level of uh, prominence after it suffered all that stuff, you know, from the, the strike year, you know, all the players being painted as a uh, greedy, uh, evil people. But, um, yeah, yeah. I was, uh, I was, yeah. Go watch 61 and then watch uh, the Ken Burns documentary on baseball, which is amazing. Yes. And, um, they, you know, Recently, not recently, but like when they put it out on DVD, they put out an extra chapter as well. So, oh man, I can't wait to watch it. I love that shit. Love that shit, man. Ken Burns is one of the best documentarians. He he did one on the Civil War, he did one on jazz music. But like he goes into ridiculously meticulous detail. So it's like, you know, super granular, as friend of the show, Eric Bischoff would say. Yes. Yeah, so definitely check those out. Definitely, uh, if you want to, uh, if you're from another country and want to learn about some American sports history, yeah, or you're just uh, you're not really into baseball, but you like documentaries, it's really good. That 61's not a documentary, but yeah, it it does a really good job talking about that whole home run race. Man, I'll tell you one of the one of my favorite things outside of like dur- being at a game during that home run race was going to Fenway Park. In 1992 or 1993, my dad took us, and me and my brothers, he took us to watch the Red Sox against the Mariners, and Ken Griffey Jr. played that game and uh, hit a fucking line drive off a fastball from Clemens into the outfield. Um, It was just like, could like you know, eight-year-old me was like, this is amazing. Nothing is ever going to be better than this. This is incredible, you know? One of my favorite stories... Um. Jimmy Rollins and Ryan Howard, who played for the, the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, they were on the 08 World Series team. But they they said that, you know, they looked up to uh, Ken Griffey. And uh, the Phillies were playing a, a rare game out in Seattle. Because, you know, before in early, well, in early, you know, baseball used to be American League, National League. And they never played each other. But then they opened up with interleague play. Right. So some. 
never, who never played each other or playing each other. So Phillies had a rare game out in Seattle against the Mariners and Ken Griffey was playing uh, for the Mariners <laughs> and Ken Griffey, uh, uh, Ryan Howard's a first baseman. Jimmy Rons was shortstop. Uh, and they said, you know, Ken Griffey's like, uh, wait till you see my, uh, my, my walk up. And fucking Ken Griffey comes out the bat and his walk-up music was Soul Glow. Just let your soul go. <laughs> through from coming to America. And Ryan Howard and Jimmy Ron said they both had to put their face in their gloves because they were laughing so fucking. And Ken Griffey did that just to pop Jimmy Rollins. That's and Ryan so good. Howard. That's so good. Like, yeah, well, wait till y'all see me come up for uh, my bat. And he comes out, just let your soul go. <laughs> I love rib, I love rib stories like man. that, you know, pulling ribs. So you good, know? man. So good. I, uh, I would love to sit here and talk baseball all day with you, I but I, I, I definitely could too. But I, I do have one question for you. Yes. Are you ready to ask me any? I would love to. Ask me something. Don't forget, tweet us your questions using the hashtag AskMeany, but don't just shit your pants while you're doing it so that way you don't make a mess in your drawers and ruin a good pair of slacks. Normally, I would open a seltzer, but uh, I did legs yesterday and Mm. the seltzer's downstairs, so uh, fuck it. Yep. I already drank mine too, so sorry, guys. It's been a long fucking day. Um, so you'll just have to pretend like we're belching into the microphone for you. We have one, we have one question today for you from our friend, Mark and Dryden. I realize survivor series is three months away, but could you guys see the 2019 raw SmackDown NXT idea for this year's show? The matches could be great. The idea being Carmelo Hayes, Gunter and Bobby Lashley. I don't know. I kind of fell out in love with NXT. Uh, Because uh, the drastic change to the product, you know, it's just like they had the golden goose. They took it out behind the barn and they cut its fucking head off. Yeah. With this new NXT 2.0. And uh, yeah, I, I'm, I, I just kind of stopped watching. And uh, I mean, I, I, it would be cool. Would be cool. But uh, I, again, I haven't been really been watching so it's it's hard for me to comment because i'm so bitter (laughs) he was like nxt to me was like better than the the main roster yeah you know yeah i could watch that i loved when nxt was like a one-hour show because you just fucking like i said you want to leave people wanting more and you know I, i i watch things with my wrestler hat on and sometimes i watch it with my fan hat on and what I loved about NST is it allowed me to put my wrestling fan hat back on. You know, I knew these guys, but and I, I'd been on shows with these guys, but I could sit back and just forget about everything and just watch it from a fan perspective. Yeah, and enjoy the fucking show to the full. Yeah, and the, dude, that was like the golden era, man. The fucking you know, there there were one hour show, and then they were having takeover specials. Yeah. The takeover special, and then like you know, WrestleMania be in Texas or whatever, and they would have the the SmackDown. Show, I mean, the um, NXT show the night before. Yep. Yep. So, oh my God, I hope I'm hoping 
that things, and this is just the WCW fan in me, but like Halloween Havoc was always one of my favorite pay-per-views yeah. all year long. Now that yeah. Hunter's in charge, I'm hoping, because it ties in with NXT because that's what they do now, right? But I'm hoping that that becomes like an actual like pay-per-view that they do now, you know? Um, yeah. Same thing with Starcade. I don't know. I feel like Starcade could be really cool if it's done properly. Um, but I agree. I have to agree. I, I think that they really need to reinvent, re reinvent the wheel with NXT, go back to what worked and forget this fucking bullshit about the Wednesday night wars and all this crap. Like nobody, nobody that's none of that shit is actually real. Yeah, um, it was a war. It, it was just like, you guys are just that that's not, that's not real in any reality anywhere, but you can see it now. Like you can see Hunter kind of like transitioning back to the way it was because Carrying Cross is back. Hit Row is back. Um, you know, more, much more emphasis on the production value of the Carrying Cross entrance with Scarlett. Shayna Baszler is another great example of you can see the change and the shift in dynamic uh, under Hunter under Hunter's creative. I yeah. love Liv Morgan. I think Liv Morgan is fucking great. I love the story. It feels very Kofi Kingston esque. The 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 the, the, the rise to the top. But yeah. she's going to get her fucking ass handed to her by Shayna Baszler. Like, we're already, I'm already aware that, like, Shayna Baszler is going to fucking destroy Liv Morgan at this pay-per-view. Yeah. Um, and the same thing with Karrion Cross coming into the picture and all like that. Like, I feel like there's a, there's a, a concerted effort to rebuild that brand because I think that was always Hunter's vision was to build these guys and then to make the new stars inside of the main yeah. roster. And you would probably know better than I would because you're the guy in the industry. But what it yeah. always felt like was that that was supposed to be the transition and then when they came to the main roster, it just seemed like everybody just kept getting cut. Keith Lee and Hit Row and Karrion Cross, Just like, it's constant cuts. But I don't think you can properly do, you can't properly recreate something like what happened in 2019 until you shift back to what you were originally were doing. Right. So I think that's going to be where what we're going to see coming up. You know, and they're talking about Bray Wyatt coming back and all kinds of talent that might come back to the fold here. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see a, uh, a large transition back to the black and gold. Um, but I don't know. What do you, I guess, what do you think? It'll be, it'll be important to have those talents back, but I think under Hunter's vision, like everybody on the show will mean something. Right. You know, everybody will be important to where, you know, just like the attitude era, you know, it was very smart to, Everybody on the card meant something. They always had some kind of storyline going. You know, uh, I was, what was I just watching? Um, <clears throat> I, was, I forget what I was watching. It might have been Rivals. But, you know, uh, everybody in the editor, everybody meant something. Yes. yes. Steve Austin had to go away for neck surgery for a little bit. They were able to plug the rock right in mm-hmm. and was able to carry the load for the company and then they, you know, keep the, you know, keep the WWE above the, uh, the fray, you know, in the, the Monday night wars. So under Hunter, I think he, I think he'll make a, a concerted effort to make sure everybody on that show means something. Everybody's important. And, uh, you know, I'm very excited to see where it goes. And while I'm talking, People stop with the fucking Vince is still working behind the scenes. Uh, He's not. Not a fucking chance. Not a chance, knock, guys. Knock it the fuck off. If he was, it it's illegal. 
Right. Also, remember, guys, remember, there are serious implications, criminal implications that are happening right at this moment. Like, forget. Right. Forget all of the shit that's going on, like just with the creative stuff and all the the games you guys want to play. Like, there are things that are coming out right now about money and um, illegal donations to campaigns. Like, these are real active investigations. If Vince McMahon was still in, I don't mean to cut you off, but like, I I, I think it's important to really emphasize the point here. Yep. If Vince yep. McMahon was still working in any capacity behind the scenes, the, the, the stockholders would be fucked. The entire company would be fucked. It's right. it, it just not, they, they, the entire point of him leaving or quote unquote retiring was to get him out of the picture because they knew a lot of this shit was probably going to come out. So there's a lot of stuff coming down the barrel that, uh, so it's still yet to be talked about. I'm sure there's things we don't even know about yet. It's, things are slowly starting to come out, and I don't know if Vince is going to have to do some time. So, between him and the other, between him and 45, it sounds like they both might. But I, you know, it's it's. I think one thing that kind of bothers me with this too, and I, I promise we'll, we'll we'll button it up after this. I just I love Mark's questions because it always allows us to really <laughs> you know get granular. But I think there's a lot of complaining online right now where they're like, oh, Kerry Cross, if he was that good, why did he get cut? Or, oh, Hit Row, if they were so great, why did they get cut in the first place? And it's like, what baffles me sometimes is the fickleness of the fans yeah. where everybody wants to be like, oh, we need new stars. We need new stars. We need to build new people. We need to build new names, right? Right. So they fucking bring back, they being Hunter, brings back Karrion Cross, who cuts a fucking incredible promo, has an incredible performance, and is solid in the ring. Yeah, and is talented, and yeah. He's got, the, he's the total fucking package, right? And they put him, they insert him where he belongs in the middle of the main event with Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre. Because all of us are sick of watching the same matches. All of us are sick of watching the same thing. I loved this SummerSlam match with Brock Lesnar, but it's like, for Christ's sake, Please move on. Yeah. And now we have fresh talent in the main event scene, and there's more to come. What about yeah. if Bray Wyatt does come back? What about a, an incredible Bray Wyatt uh, Roman Reigns run? Like, there are so yeah. many, so many different things you can do here with all these. Cody Rhodes still has to come back. Like, so many fresh yeah. things that are still happening in this company. And yeah. everyone is still complaining, like, oh, well, why didn't they put this guy? Or what about Ricochet? Or what about this? It's like, let it fucking like this is the time to really let it play out because everything is in flux. Everything is changing. And this is what we wanted, right? We wanted to see Shayna yeah. Baszler in the main event picture. I was pissed when she lost the title when she didn't win the title at WrestleMania for Becky Lynch. It felt like yeah. the natural thing. And I mean pissed is a is a big word, but you know it was like it was a confusing creative decision. It was a disappointment. Yeah, because I felt like they had built her up to be this fucking machine, this yeah. animal, and then she loses to Becky Lynch at WrestleMania. And it was just like, it was it was very confusing. So I think a lot of these things are going to be Hunter resetting, resetting and reshuffling the deck in a lot of ways and allowing yeah. a lot of this talent that is just kind of floundering, it feels like. Yeah. I feel, do you think that that's a fair word to say? That it's like some of these folks are really floundering? Uh, there, you know, there's... Like creatively, uh, creatively. There's been a disturbance in the, uh, the force. That's a good uh, way to put it. So to speak. And once, you know, it's like an earthquake. Once the ground stops shaking and people get their footing, they'll find out where they are and they'll figure out which direction to go. Once they become reoriented, everybody's disoriented right now because Vince is gone. Now it's Hunter. 
and what's going to happen. But yep. now these people are coming back and there's some, uh, you know, some new blood in there and, you know, people just, you know, fight for their spots, you know? Here's one thing I'll mention before we wrap up and get to our credits here. When Bray sure. Wyatt comes back, mm-hmm. they better fucking set it up. I mean, like imagine the setup, like a John Cena setup with Roman Reigns. Yeah. Imagine that shit. Like really, and then paying off the Jey Uso storyline. I'm just saying, guys, I'm just saying, I'm giving out free ideas. You don't have to thank me. You don't have to give me writing credit. Just use it, okay? Uh, check yeah. back here every every Monday. We'll give you more tips. But uh, Meanie, thank you so much for your time today. And Pod Squad, thank you so much for your time and joining us on this Saturday morning. Uh, Meanie, where can everybody find you on social media? If you would like to follow the Blue Meanie, you can follow the Blue Meanie, that being me. On uh, all forms of social media, uh, at Blue Meanie BWO, that's Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, TikTok, TikTok. Eh, which, you know, anyway, uh, you can follow me on all forms of social media at Blue Meanie BWO. If you would like to support the Blue Meanie, go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Blue Meanie. Uh, if you want to support Mind of the Meanie, go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Mind of the Meanie. Uh, if you want to save some money, go to collar, collar and elbow brand.com over there. Uh, Rod Hicks is doing an amazing job with the reboot. Uh, go to collar and elbow brand.com. Use promo code meanie save 10%. Uh, yeah, and, and get some uh, quality. You know, there's three links there that has some quality wrestling attire. Now, if you want to, uh, look good and smell good, if you're a bearded fellow with that wrestling attire, Go to madcatbeardcare.com. Uh, I was selling some of it over uh, the weekend at Icons, and uh, uh, Mrs. Meany made a little tester for uh, people to smell the the uh, the uh, the beard oil and sold a few of them, and, and it did pretty good. It's pretty cool. I like the response that you know, people had to it. Uh, my boy Josh Thornton over there at Mad Cat Beard Care is doing an amazing job. Every product he sells goes to taking care of feral cats. So go over there and get the blue spruce or countless other different scents. You know, there's plenty of wrestlers over there. Uh, either way, the money goes to a great cause. Also, shout out to my boy Jim Nelson over at GlaciersOfIce.com. He made the, uh, the three of three BWO Air Jordan 1 sneakers for myself, Stevie, and Nova. Uh, you know, he does amazing work. Each pair of sneakers he makes, it's about 50 hours per sneaker. Uh, so if you want to, you know, follow him or support him, go to glaciersofice.com or go to GOI Kicks on all forms of social media. GOI Kicks on all forms of social media. And if you also like, uh, you know, a specialized video, whether it's birthday, holidays, well wishes, uh, I do have videos on a gamut or, uh, yeah, a gamut, a gamut. Yeah. I'll say gamut. It works. My, it works. Yeah. It works. Go to cameo.com slash blue meanie BWO. Uh, I just did a, a couple fun videos this week. Uh, you know, a couple birthdays, couple, you know, special occasions. Go to cameo.com slash blue meanie BWO. But more importantly, Mr. Bernard, where can we find you? I will argue that I'm not as important, but thank you very much. I appreciate you. Uh, I do cameo videos as well, but the dirty ones cost extra. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I do not do any dirty videos. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at yeah. This Is Goober. Yeah, yet. Keyword. Uh, you know, 
Papa's got to get some money here. Uh, Twitter and Instagram at this is Goober. Yes, it's my handle. No, I'm not changing it. It's a brand, pal. You can also check out my other show, Foundation Radio, at foundationradio.net. Uh, my most recent interview was the is with the producer and director of the uh, Discovery Plus documentary, Unprecedented, which chronicles the 2020 election and the last months of the Trump presidency, Alex Holder. Uh, you can check it out, foundationradio.net. You can also go to prowrestlingtees.com slash foundationradio, pick up a shirt, and support the show. Help keep the light on, lights on in the Barnard home for wayward and troubled youth. Don't I forget like to sign up at patreon.com slash mindofthemeanie. Uh, become our patron on there and join our pod squad, Instagram, uh, Twitter, not Facebook, but we're on Facebook. Everything's at Mind of the Meanie. You can find us there for the Blue Meanie. I am Adam Bernard. Join us again each and every week as we take a trip through the mind of the Meanie. Peace. This episode of Mind of the Meanie was recorded and produced by Adam Barnard and was engineered by Carl Pinnell. Additional production and narration provided by Sam Kreps. Our executive producers are Josh Chernoff, Adam Barnard, and the Blue Meanie. Our opening theme is performed by the Swamp Candles. Our closing theme is performed by Chikara. The show contains original music produced by Enrichment. Get additional bonus content by becoming our patron on Patreon at patreon.com slash mindofthemeanie. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at mindofthemeanie. This has been a Butts Carlton Media Production in conjunction with the MLW Radio Network. Butts Carlton Proprietor. That was Blue Meanie's brain out. The world of MLW Radio never stops. 